I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. I would say for the last, I don't know, year or so, we've been doing the podcast with uh, three or four people. But the last few, I've really enjoyed just having one person and uh, having a regular kind of one-on-one conversation. So I have Mr. Sean Latimer here with me today for our one-on-one conversation. Yes, happy to be here. It's kind of fun, though, because when there is four people, like as people are talking, you're thinking about things that you want to say and you're like having to write them down. And it's yeah. kind of like hard to even almost make the conversation seamless. Well, it's hard for you, too, because you're kind of like the conductor. You have to be like, all right, this person, then I have to send to that person. And yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. And one thing I've really enjoyed podcasts and uh, kind of what I talk to clients about is this is really just an opportunity to sit in on our lunchtime. This is what we do. So it's just like, hey, you can be uh, like last week we called a fly on the wall. You can be a silent uh, participator and just kind of hear what we think about and the things that we talk about, uh, which I think is fun. So I'm going to talk about or we are going to talk about an article today that I wrote called Fast Times. Um, and I was having trouble thinking about what I was going to write this week, and uh, I didn't know. And yesterday, um, our church right now is going through this thing where you read one proverb a day. Uh, the nice thing is October has 31 days, and the book of Proverbs has 31 proverbs. And the, 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 uh, the marching orders are to basically just extract you know, one verse that you would kind of think about, maybe memorize or meditate on for the day and and just kind of, uh, I don't know, try to fully digest that. So I was reading yesterday, which was the 13th. So I was in chapter 13 and this verse stuck out to me. It said, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. And I was like, wow, that was true thousands of years ago because that is also true today. Mm hmm. And it is true that the listeners are essentially being a fly on the wall because we talked about this exact uh, story that Trevor's going to talk about at lunch. This is what we talk about on a daily basis is interactions with people that ask us about what we do and asking for advice or client scenarios. And it is true that we're all looking for the the quick fix or, yeah, sorry to steal your... No, no, it's right on. Uh, We can go there like... uh... Uh, because I'm involved with my community, my church, sometimes I'll have people reach out to me. A lot of the time, there's not a lot of folks at our church or kind of the the circles that that are in finance. So every once in a while, there'll be a young person that is interested in getting into finance that wants to meet and and chat with me. Um, And I love it. So I'll go to lunch or have a phone conversation. There's one young man that's reached out to me a couple times, and he's at a place where he feels like there's this like real fork in the road that he has these two very different career paths. One he studied for school and one he has like a lot of background and expertise in. And um, he's trying to decide which way do I go? And kind of from his perspective, he really wants me to tell him which way to go because mm-hmm. he thinks that is going to make the difference. But I told him like, you're going to be super disappointed in my advice or guidance because He's coming to me saying, hey, I want to build wealth. I want to accumulate wealth. And and the idea is that Trevor, me, is going to give this advice that if you go this route, it's going to be easier as far as career than going this route. And I told him it doesn't matter. And he's like very disappointed because he's like, no, I want you to kind of tell me what direction to go. And I said, no, it doesn't matter because like the goal or if you want to build wealth, you it's pretty simple. Let me give you the equation. You make more than you spend. You invest the difference. And you let it compound for a lifetime. Now, that's not very fun. 
It's no. not very exciting. <laughs> and then I gave him that little anecdotal story we, you and I have talked about before of this janitor yeah. that accumulated $8 million and left it to charity. Um, and he did not have a uh, high income. He had a frugal life. And saving the difference and letting it compound a lifetime is what made that difference. I'm just picturing this conversation where you're like, all right, well, well you know, what, what's important to you? And he's like, I want nice cars. I want this. I want that. I want to make a lot of money. And you're like, cool. Let me tell you the story about this janitor. He's like, oh, yeah, tell me. How did he do it? What was his angle? So he worked for 40 years. He saved a little bit every month and then grew to a larger amount. He's like, oh, no, no, no. I don't like that plan. Tell me the, the better way, the easier way to do it. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer because I wish I had the secret sauce, but uh, I don't. And maybe actually, maybe I do. Maybe I, w- I, do. I wish you did too. <laughs> no, but maybe it, maybe it is the secret sauce because every time somebody comes to me and we have one of these conversations, I feel like I'm grabbing them by the shoulders and redirecting them back towards the things that matter. Because I think the things that they are aspiring to lead to financial ruin. Yeah. Like in the article, I, I said something to the extent of like, you can find one lucky financial wave that you can ride for a while, but ultimately that wave crashes and leaves you financially beached. Uh, I I haven't seen a lot of ways where people, going back to that proverb, uh, they gain wealth quickly and they grow it and retain it for a lifetime. I read stories about people who win the lotto and like they commit suicide because they go bankrupt and like the things that the wealth does to them, or I don't know what percentage it is, but we, we've talked about it, like athletes that mm-hmm. go from, you know, tough childhoods to making like unbelievable wealth back to bankruptcy. Yeah. So there's something to be said about people that, you know, by the sweat of their brow, they accumulate wealth little by a time and, um, you know, later enjoy the fruits of their labor. And it is true. I think it comes down to like the behavior side because there's a lot of psychology involved too. Because if you ask someone why they want a Rolex or why they want a nice car or this, it's really to impress others, probably people they don't even know or care about. And that's maybe a little bit more philosophical because I think I like nice things too. So I'm guilty of it as well. But I think when you fall into that trap and you're, you run in certain circles, if you're a professional athlete and maybe your balance sheet isn't there yet, but that's where you find yourself overspending and, and just overextending yourself. It's a slippery slope. Cause there's a difference there kind of you're alluding to. It's like, there's a difference between being, I don't know if the word would be rich or wealth or whatever, but like income statement rich versus balance sheet rich. You know what I mean? If you're balance sheet rich, like you can start to create passive income from your assets. If your income statement rich, you better keep doing the the J-O-B that you're doing that's driving that cash flow because that's the only thing kind of retaining your lifestyle. But the the thing that I thought was we laughed about a little bit at, at lunch is the turn the conversation took where I thought he was like, yeah, I get that. That makes sense. And he was like, I, I felt like his energy was getting excited about like, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. But then he kind of stopped me, you know, two-thirds of the conversation. He's like, yeah, yeah that all makes sense. Uh, but it, <laughs> that's what yeah, we're about. But yeah. it's like, I really like nice cars and I really want to buy a Rolex. And then I was like, I'm super glad you said that because like that's economics 101. Yeah. Trade-offs. You've just defined two objectives in your life. I want this and I want this, but you can't have both. So what you got to figure out is you got to prioritize those objectives and figure out which one's more important to you. Like me and Joe Klein, uh, our director of financial planning, were talking today as he was building a financial plan. And he was asking, hey, as, when I talk to this client, kind of what things should I look at to help make this financial plan successful? And we were talking about there's only like three or four levers you can pull on. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that person wants to retire at 55, but you're going to say, hey, you're going to have to work till 65. Or that person saves 10% per year, that person's going to have to save 20% per year. Because the one you can't really turn the dial on is rates of return. Right. Like they're going to be what they're going to be. Um, and the problem is that would be the one that everybody would prefer to turn because it course. doesn't take any effort from them. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the tough conversation is you have to work longer or save more. And uh, I'm glad you tied it back to financial planning because I, I was kind of thinking the same thing when we're talking about behaviors is the people that were saving more than they're earning and they, they probably have uh, uh, they probably have a budget or they're somewhat frugal and they've been doing that for a long time. It's pretty funny when you do build a financial plan for someone who has who is balance sheet wealthy and income uh, income statement wealthy and you tell them, hey, you know, you could afford to do th- more things and you can almost see them uncomfortable with the idea of spending more than they have for the past 30 or 40 years. Because it's what made them wealthy. Exactly. Yeah, and it's like that discipline is what got them there. So when you're telling them like, hey, let's uh, let's do this, they're like kind of concerned like that might feel uh, foolish or uh, not a good use of my money or am I going to um, ruin my financial plan, which them putting up those red flags are showing you like, oh man, this person has a lifetime of wisdom. Yeah. Like that's how they got to where they're at. Um, but I, I just think it's interesting because sometimes we can boil these truths down to kind of like their simplest form and still in that conversation, I remember somebody's asking me the other day, I was talking to them about how one of the concerns I have with a lot of financial plans that I see that people bring me that other advisors have prepared for them is the assumptions on the rates of return. And the reason I say that is because a lot of that software is just collecting historical data mm-hmm. and then using like these base rates to kind of apply. If you have cash, you get this rate of return, this for it. Right, the other. right. And um, we use a software from Fidelity. Uh, they, they acquired a company in San Diego called eMoney. And even the default rates of return in there, um, I was joking with somebody the other day, I, I think the default rate of return for cash was like 3.8%. And we all know that that is not realistic in the world we live in right now. I don't think it's been realistic for more than 10 years. Yes. So, but it it depends on where you're getting your data. Like if you're taking, uh, if you want to get a large enough sample size and you're taking 100 years of data and just throwing an average, I understand. But what I'm saying is the financial planner has to go one step further and they have to go in and, and manually turn those knobs and make adjustments that are realistic to somebody's financial plan. Because sometimes people just want to look at that success rate number. Like, hey, I ran this plan. It gives me a 99% success rate. I'm good to go. And I'm like, yeah, it did. And I'm not saying it won't if we change it. But just keep in mind, this financial planner that did this for you, that was serving you before I was, they input these default rates of return. And these just aren't realistic. And I remember talking to a client this week where, or a potential client, where I was telling them, like, you know, if I was trying to do back of the napkin assumptions on what future returns were going to look like, I would probably just look at, okay, if the S&P 500 is trading at, let's just make an easy number so I can do it in my head, mm-hmm. 25 times earnings. Historically, that's that's a higher multiple, right? Like maybe the average is like 17. So at 25 times, if you just inverted that one over 25, that's 4%. And then you're going to get, you know, let's call it 2% from a dividend. I don't know. Maybe a good assumption is 6% rate of return on, on the stock portfolio. Well, historically, sometimes it was 10%. Right. Those two numbers are really different. So when I was going through this kind of thought process with uh, – um, this potential client, he kind of cut me off. And he's like, yeah, yeah, but now you're going to tell me about your way. 
and how your way <laughs> is so much different and how you're still going to be able to do that historical 10%. And I was like, well, there is some truth there. Like we are buying companies at, you know, lower multiples and things like that. But really that is, that's really not what our, our strategy is designed for of just like beating your neighbor. Uh, mechanically, the nice thing about our strategy being so dividend focused is this idea that you can create sustainable, consistent, growing income that makes for really good uh, it, when it comes to financial planning, right? Because the idea is that you want to create income to match expenses. Right. But it's just wild to me. Like, I'm I'm susceptible too, but it's always like you're hearing some of this like simple wisdom, this proverb or whatever, and you're like, okay, I get that totally true. But now like like nobody's around, like shut yeah, the door. Yeah, like, yeah. Now give me the secret. Well, it's true. I, I've had clients ask too, you know, if the assumptions are wrong or if a plan could be off, why would they give that kind of advice? And the answer is kind of unfortunate, but in 20 years or 25 years when you're running out of money, a person's probably not going to be there having their feet held to the fire. So it's kind of like they don't have much to lose, you know? Yeah, and and it's not even – sometimes maybe it's not ignorance, but um, you know what I mean? If you're responsible for serving 400 people, maybe it's just a production line. Yeah. Like, hey, like I work for a firm. I trust my firm, and these are the assumptions they use. I'm going to use these assumptions. And honestly, if you – if you're going to be the, the 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 guy or gal who delivers the news, I'd rather deliver good news than bad news. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not saying financial plans are going to break. I, I'm more saying just like where somebody's expectations are. Um, just like the young man I talked to is um, if his expectation is to go find this career where he makes a million dollars a year, uh, I maybe he'll always be let down. Like he was talking to me about kind of a, a quarter century crisis, right? Like where he has like, some heavy anxiety about what's going on and I felt for him. And that's why I was trying to kind of like help him pivot to say like, Hey, if you work hard and do good, uh, you're saving and investing and doing that for a lifetime is going to be more consistent, but people don't want to be wealthy when they're older. They want to be wealthy yesterday. That is true. So I don't know if there's really much more to be said. It was a 700 word article. So um, <laughs> what I really wanted to get across in in this, uh, and I kind of made that the last paragraph, was that hey, if you're if you're listening to this podcast or you're reading this article, you've probably done pretty good, right? Just for the fact that you're reading financial blog. So I I think kind of uh, the encouragement that I would give you um, is to go out there and be a mentor. Um, because there are people uh, like this young man that I talked to that um, are hungry for wisdom. And honestly, if, if you've achieved success and you've done it like the way I described, like saving a little time over a lifetime, you probably have a lot better advice than a 15-second TikTok video that they're going to watch um, that shows them there's this secret path on how they can do it quicker. So, yeah, that's my hope. I think that uh, there's a lot of value in that to to be a mentor, to be able to pass down that wisdom, um, and to be a good listener and help somebody walk through that. Because even as this uh, young person was talking to me, I was thinking, man, I had the same attitude yeah. when I was that age. I remember sitting down with somebody when I was his age, and, and, and at that same fork in the road, I was sitting with my pastor about like, hey, should I do this career or should I do this? And I was like like sweating, and, and he was like, it doesn't matter. I was like, what do you mean it doesn't matter? Like, this does that. The rest that, of my life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's like, no, nah, that's just not what's important. And he kind of helped to kind of refocus my paradigm. So, yeah, that's my hope. That's my hope that you would uh, kind of download some of this wisdom, be able to deliver it to a family member, uh, a nephew, a niece, or somebody close to you that um, would benefit from kind of this financial discipleship you're willing to offer. 
But that is all we have for you this week. And um, we will ask that you rate the podcast, leave comments. Uh, you can reach either of us, Sean or Trevor, at tom at thebonsagroup.com. That's just T-O-M, so it's really easy to remember. And that's it. We will be back next week with more of our Thoughts, Thoughts on, on Money. money. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.